This morning I'm going to open up with John chapter 16, verse 7. And then we're going to pray. John 16, 7 says this. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. This is Jesus speaking. Unless I go away, the advocate. Would you say advocate? He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. The advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your presence and your goodness and the atmosphere of this place. Being able to worship you and glorify you and to know you. It's our privilege to be here. It's our privilege to worship you. You're a great and a mighty God and we love you today. Thank you for your love and your kindness, your mercy, your patience. You're so good. This morning, Lord, open up our hearts to hear your word. Speak to every individual as you speak to all of us. Thank you for the empowerment, the leading of your Holy Spirit to impart what's in your heart and your word today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. I'm continuing this series this morning called Before I Go. And we're looking in the Gospel of John at chapters 14 through 17. And we're looking at a series of conversations and things that Jesus said and did right before he went to the cross and was crucified. And, you know, for his disciples, it's a really big deal. These are mostly personal conversations that are going on between him and his disciples who've traveled with him, given up their lives for three years. They've seen miracles. They've they've heard teachings. They've seen Jesus interact with ugly people and, and hurt people and all of this and learn so much. And all along the way, he has told them, I'm going to have to die. And, you know, ever hear something, but it doesn't register. They heard it, but they didn't want to believe it. They didn't want to register. Certainly they didn't think this is going to happen after just three years. Jesus, about 33 years old, that he's going to go and be crucified. So he is preparing them for his departure. Last week we looked at the Last Supper where he got got up and he went and he washed all the disciples' feet and he said, go and do likewise. And he, and he showed them how to be a servant even when he was about to, and our Christ, our God, he was about to go give his life for us. I mean, just such an amazing lesson to them. Today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit, him sending the Holy Spirit. You see, we know that the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. Part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know that you know God is, is three and very one all at the same time. And so sending the Holy Spirit is not you know like some um, spooky ghost. This is God's Spirit that He's going to send into our lives. And uh, so we're going to look at what Jesus says about that. John 14, 16 says this. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, there it is again, advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. One day you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I love Jesus's heart. 
I love Jesus' heart here where he knows that he's about to go to the crucifixion. He knows about his departure. He knows that it's going to have a great impact on them. And he says, he will not let them be orphans. What a beautiful statement. I will not let you be orphans. I won't let you be alone. I won't let you I will not abandon you. You know, loneliness is a really powerful thing. You can be around a lot of people and be lonely. Problem with loneliness is it it paralyzes you because it makes you feel like you have nobody to connect with. Um, it's the, and then it, it t- starts to tell the lie. It tells the lie that no one loves you. It tells the lie that no one cares. It tells you the lie that things are hopeless. Loneliness is just a, a terrible master. And don't you love the heart of Jesus? He's looking at his disciples going, man, this is really going to have an impact on you. I mean, his, I mean, he knew that they would have each other, right? But him departing, him physically... Imagine if you'd given up everything for three years and you were following Jesus. Can you imagine the highs that you had had? Seeing him feed the 5,000, seeing uh, the, the dead, like Lazarus come out of the tomb. Like, you're like, dang. I mean, they were tweeting that. I mean, they, everybody, you know, they were probably selfieing with blasters. Hold on. Put some of those, those things back on you. Okay, now take them off, right? Like they were, I mean, the stuff that they had seen, can you imagine? And then he's gone. And not only is he gone, but he's tortured before he goes and killed. The bewilderment, the what just happened. Praise God it was only three days, right? (laughs) Praise God, like, you know, we mourn and we grieve and that kind of thing and the sorrow. And many of us have been through that. Praise God, three days later, he's like, I'm back. And I beat death. And they're like, what, what? You know, I mean, it's like 45 days of just like, he's back. He's alive, right? But see, his leaving, he was going to leave, but he was going to leave again, right? Because after being with them about 45 days, he was going to go back up into heaven even after the resurrection. So he's preparing them for the trauma, but he's also preparing them for his ascension. Do you follow that? And so he's like, I don't want you to be orphans. I don't want you to feel alone. What I love about it is, is, you know, we can look at the scripture and we can begin to throw some truth at those lies about being alone. Let me throw and when I say throw truth, what I'm talking about is we're going to take some scripture that is the truth and throw it against the lie. So Hebrews 13, 5 says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Now, y'all got, y'all got to catch this this morning. This means that when you feel alone, you're not alone. You can feel a lie. You can believe a lie, but it doesn't make it the truth. And that's where scripture is the truth that we throw at the lie. Never. You look into the Greek and you look at all the things about what never means. Never. I love Psalm 68.6 just correlates so well with Jesus. What Jesus says, God sets the lonely 
into families. We had a whole series where we were pounding on that verse and what that means. Who puts us into families in the natural? But you see, in, in the context of what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, you will not be orphaned. You will have a family. I, the, God will be your father. And the, how you're going to have this sense of, it, of the father is because of the Holy Spirit. There's a scripture that talks about how the Holy Spirit is a seal, a guarantee of the, the fact that you have an inheritance in heaven and that you are a son and daughter of the most high God, the Holy Spirit. See how that how all that connects? Actually, I'm about to read that scripture. Eight, eight, Romans 8.14. That's a good idea to put that there. And Romans 8.14 through 17 says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself. Are you all catching this? That he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to be orphans. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Y'all, that's powerful right there. He does not want you to be or to feel like an orphan. To feel alone. I remember my pastor used to share, he says, you know, when my when my parents passed away, he said, I felt like an orphan. I thought, man, that's a powerful thing. Powerful thing. We're going to come back to that in a few moments. I love in John 14, Jesus is saying, I am not I am leaving, but I am sending the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, so really, I am with you and you will not be orphans. Because he's sending the Holy Spirit and he does this beautiful thing where he begins to talk about I am in the father and the father is in me. And this kind of continuity between the Godhead. And so when you when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive and he's going to remind you of my words. And you feel that continuity. So when you when you have the Holy Spirit in life, like there's no difference, if you will, in the sense of the the, who Jesus is, who God the father is, because the, the whole mystery of three and one. Do you follow that? So it's this beautiful thing. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm going, but I'm sending and you're going to feel close to me because of it. Isn't that beautiful? God is so good. In the moment, I think that the disciples, like from John chapter 14 through 17, when he's sharing these things, I think a lot of the times they were doing this. They were smiling and nodding. <laughs> kind of like, okay, okay. And I think some of them were like looking around like, um, John? You know, Thaddeus, like, do you get this? Do you understand? What, like, what's going on here? Just smile and nod. You have the words of life. You're good. We're good. Yeah. We believe you. No idea what you're talking about. But I believe you. But Jesus is so smart because he's preparing them. Because they're going to get it. And they're going to understand it. And it's all going to come together for them. But he wanted them to understand that they were not alone. Such a powerful statement. I will not leave you as orphans because when he talks about I will not leave you as orphans it's a very parental conversation right we're not just talking about I'll be your buddy this is like father talk you will not be an orphan Elizabeth and I just started last Sunday our 
building strong family small group where we're talking about raising children. And there's plenty of room in it. Um, we'll meet again tonight at um, 630. But um, we're just talking about parenting. And, you know, parenting, parenting is a job that um, will really bring out your insecurities, won't it? Because yeah. if you are honest with yourself, you're going to tell you, say, I have made mistakes with my kids. Most of us are in Jesus. Help me to not like cause my kids to spend too much time in therapy someday. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we're hoping for. Right. Jesus minimized my mistake. I had a parent uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, one of them say to me, listen, I made some a big mistake with my kids. And I was I was listening to it. I thought, you know, what I, lo- I loved about it. I thought there's real ownership. And yet with that ownership comes redemption because our God is a God who fills in the cracks and who makes up the deficits and the reality is he has anointed all of us who are parents as parents knowing that we are imperfect and yet the more that we lean into him and the more that we seek him and the more that we ask him for wisdom he gives us wisdom to parent our kids because guess what he loves our kids more than we do That's why every time you say, God, what do I do in this circumstance? I don't know what to do. How do I get through to them? What do I need to say? How do I respond rather than react in this situation? What do I need to do? The Lord is there and he will give you wisdom. Just like James said, he will give you wisdom. And so your children, as you're raising them, he will. Your children are watching how you lean on the Heavenly Father. They're watching how you seek the Heavenly Father. They're watching how you follow the Heavenly Father, right? And in all of those things, as they learn from you how to lean on Him, now notice, they're learning from you how to lean on them. A lot of times we think about our children's dependency on us, and that's appropriate at age-specific levels. But really, our goal is not to create, even in the natural, children who are quote-unquote dependent upon us. Not that we won't be a resource and love and serve them, right? But we don't want them to be our dependents. I mean, the tax write-off would be nice. Sorry, can't resist. But... Me and Daryl were bemoaning losing our tax deductions a a few months ago. Anyhow, uh, but we love our kids. Be blessed. Be blessed. Sorry, Lord. Um, But we want them in the natural to be able to be sufficient. But truly to be sufficient, they need to learn to depend on God. If we can teach them how to lean on him, they will have everything they need for life and godliness. Because God's power has everything that they need. And so even in all of the natural things that we're doing, the end of the day, that's the connection that's the greatest win. Is that they lean on him. You know, I, I've, uh, I've told the story before that about my parents passing away separately. My mom in 2011. Wish some, a lot of you knew my mom. If you didn't get to know my mom, you got to meet her in heaven. She's delightful. She's just like the quiet, brilliant, smart, but just quiet, reserved, lovely lady. My dad, very brilliant, very loud. They were, and my mom was like 5'1 on a good day. And my dad was 6'3. They were a pair, man. 
that's why I kind of showed up in the middle here. Um, just average. Um, <laughs> but when my parents, my, my, my dad passed away in uh, 2017, 16, 16. Um, I, uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm your parent now. And it was like the Lord wanted to say to me, you are not orphaned. Because I'm your parent. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's not an or. It's not to dishonor our parents. God gives us parents. He gives us family. It's his gift. And we should cherish it and love it and, and, and redeem it and all of that, right? But there is this higher truth than your natural family. And a lot of times we live in the present of the natural And we don't always realize that there is a greater truth than the truth that we live in day to day, which is God is a father. And his desire is to be close to you and that you not be orphaned, that you not be alone. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I want to ask you before we move on, are there areas in your life where you need to let God be your parent more. Maybe it's an area of provision. Maybe it's an area of counsel. You just need to go and ask Dad for some wisdom. Maybe it's an area of feeling secure. You know, one of the things that a father does is makes you feel secure. It makes you feel safe. Maybe, maybe you're believing the wrong words about your life. One of the greatest things that our father does is he speaks life and truth about us. We said last week that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people chosen by God. Like there, there are these truths about you, about who you are as a believer in Christ and a follower in Christ. Because, you know, when you give your life to Jesus, he makes you a new person. That Holy Spirit, He comes inside of you and births a brand new life that starts and your identity changes. And what happens is we go on this journey where we learn how to walk in what He's already made us. And if you've never experienced that new life, if you've never taken that step where you said, Jesus, not only do I believe you, but now I ask you to save me. That is the beginning of your new life. If you've never taken that step, I want to encourage you. It is the greatest decision you'll ever make is to say, Jesus, I want to turn my life over to you. Will you lead and guide me? And it's it's a journey that is amazing. You're not all of a sudden perfect, but you are a new person. And you have the faculty, you have the ability to make decisions that you've never, you weren't able to make before. The ability to walk with him, the ability to follow him, the ability to say no to the things that have undermined you in the past. It's a beautiful thing. But he doesn't want us to feel like orphans. And he wants us to know what it is to be for him to be our father. And and that means even in our adulthood, you all know, like, you know, us in this room, you know, we're we're adulting, you know. I don't know about y'all, but I got bills. Anybody got bills? Right? You feel that adulting thing going on in your life? You know, it doesn't matter how adult you are. And I don't care if you are 22 or 82. You are a child of the Ancient of Days. And he wants you to interact with him like a child. Remember when Jesus in the Gospels, he looked at the children. He says, y'all need to act like this. 
That was a funny thing to say. You, the idea was the purity, the dependence, the coming to our Father. Sometimes we get so adult that we forget to be kids. And the thing is, uh, as children, we learn how to depend on Him at every season of life. I've said it so many times over the years. I actually believe the measure of your spirituality is how much more you depend on Him the older you get. We actually depend on Him more. I don't mean like everything's a crisis depend, but like the need and desire. And you, you need the Lord. We are built to need Him. And yet He builds us with great capacity. But He is your Father. The... I want to read to you in John 14, 16 and and go into a word that Jesus uses through these scriptures when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And um, he says in verse 16, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. Now, this word advocate for some of you, you have different versions of the Bible over years and things like that. The newer NIV version says advocate. So does the New Living Translation, NLT. Um, the, another version, the old 1984 version of the NIV says, I will give you a counselor. Another, uh, the King James Version says, I'll give you the comforter. These are all English ways of translating a Greek word, okay? Um, and the, the New American Standard, the uh, ESV, and the New King James all say, I will give you a helper. Sometimes we look at the different versions and we go, which one's right? You look at all of these and you, you study the original language, they're all right. <laughs> yes is the answer. And sometimes it's kind of cool because what you can do is you can look at those and it it kind of fills out the dimensions of what that word means. These are all descriptors of the Holy Spirit. He is an advocate. He is your advocate calling out even in your own spirit what is right, what is best for you, what is best for his kingdom. He's an advocate for what is right and good for you. Isn't that a beautiful like, like the, the, to think that the Holy Spirit, it, God's Spirit in you, is for you. You know, the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin, yes, and that is good for you too, isn't it? Yeah. It is good for you, right? Sometimes you think, hold on, God's Spirit is going to be in my life. I'm a, I'm a little concerned. No, He's your advocate. He's there for you. He's trying to. He's saving us. He's for us. It's your advocate. It kind of correlates with the fact that it says that Jesus in heaven now, he makes intercession for you. Isn't that cool? The Holy Spirit is a picture as an advocate. Jesus making intercession and the Father's just like, making it happen, baby. Anyhow, that was cooler in my mind. Um, That happens when you get older. Um, Or it's the dad gene, one of those two. Take which one you want. It's the dad gene. It's the dad gene. You're feeling me, right? Yeah, that's it. The dad gene. That's right. Another word that's used is counselor to describe this word, this original word, counselor. He is your counselor. You know what's great is he's a lot cheaper than a lot of counselors. He needs $60 an hour. He needs $100 an hour. And you're right there. He's a good counselor. I am... When I say that, I don't mean to diminish natural counselor. I value. I'm just making the the comment that he's with you and he's cheaper. Um, He brings the peace 
that talks about in Philippians 4. The peace that passes all understanding, guarding your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He is that ever-present help in the time of need. Now, what I'm trying to do this morning with these words that Jesus spoke, remember, these disciples are going to be traumatized. And he's saying, I'm not leaving you without hope. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. You will not be orphans. You will have an advocate. You will have a comforter. You will have a, a or a counselor. You will have a comforter. He's the he is the the comforter and counselor who knows your heart and knows what you need on the inside. Also, a way of describing it is he is your helper. He's there to help you. There's so many times in our Pentecostal, charismatic, spiritual, you know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we like to jump to the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. It takes a lot of self-discipline for me to not go there. But I think in the context of this series, there's so much to what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives. It's a healthy thing for us to dig into the fact that he is that ever-present help. That he's there with you and that he's your comforter. That, that he's, he's your counselor and he's your helper. That he's right there with you. Because, you know, when life is going crazy, what we need is we need him. Uh, we had a, a couple of, of ladies this week go to the hospital in the same week. And um, they don't know this about each other. But um, both of them, when they went, had made this comment to the Lord that, well, if, it, if it's time, I'm ready. I'm ready. I can go to heaven. And I thought, how amazing is that? What an amazing, like, where does that come from? That comes from the Holy Spirit, Right. Not that we're ready to let him go or we're not going to fight for life. But to have that kind of rest that no matter what, I'm good. I'm going to be okay. I told a story to, to one of them earlier this week. that uh, There was a time when uh, I took Caleb to the hospital and he wasn't, he wasn't well. We started at the doctor's house. We went to the doctor's office. We went to the hospital because they told us to go. And we're sitting there and Caleb is like, it's, it's not looking good. And he turns green at one point. And I was like freaked out. I'm just like, what? I mean, trying to pray when your son looks like a gremlin is like, oh, Jesus, I feel helpless and paralyzed here. Like what? And it was a very interesting experience. Elizabeth was um, was out of town. And so I'm I'm there and I'm, I'm just doing it. And, you know, I'm a man of God. You know, I, I got this. No, like I'm just I'm feeling powerless. I'm just like, what do I do? And, you know, and. And, you know, what's amazing is God didn't change through the circumstance, even though it was super scary. <laughs> we, they end up keeping us the night. We go into the pediatric ward. It's me and Caleb. And the next morning he wakes up and he's looking a lot better. The pediatrician walks in and says, is he looking better? It's like, yeah. Okay. Thoughts. I, that's what I thought. I looked at his chart. I think he was dehydrated. I'm like, dehydrated? <laughs> yeah, he's getting a little stopped up. You know, he's going to be fine. And I'm like... <laughs> you know they it, it was amazing all the things that could have been wrong i mean golly day and 
And I don't dismiss, like, I, I'm glad I took him to the hospital. I'm glad I, you know, all of those kind of things. But it was, there was an atmosphere and a circumstance that overwhelmed the truth that he was with me. You follow me? And see, that's what life does is we get into context that take us out of the context. Life happens and it, all of a sudden the truth that he's with me, he's never far from me, close to me. He cares for me. He has what I need. He's my father and I can lean on him. He has all that I need. That, con- that truth Starts to ebb away and get under my. It's because we're human. We're human. You know, I could have beat myself up a whole lot. You know, you know, just browbeat myself. Where's your faith? And where are you? And all that kind of thing. And you know, I learned something from it. Where I, I, I felt like the Lord helped me go. If I were to replay that scenario, I think I would play it differently in my heart. Yeah. But you know, when it's your child, and you're like, I wish it was me. That's that's one of the greatest tests right there. The reality is he was there and he wasn't worried and he was good and he he was going to take care of everything. We read a couple more scriptures and we'll wrap things up this morning. Um, This is John 16, 13. It says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And then verse 26 of chapter 14 says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. You know, the more there's this idea that the Holy Spirit really does speak to you. He's going to guide you into truth. Now, how do you know when it's the Holy Spirit? A couple litmus tests for me. One is typically it's smarter than me. Two is it's typically nicer than me. Um, and there's a, a beauty and a simplicity to God's truth. The reality is there's a lot of voices in our lives. We have our own mind and our own thoughts. We have to discern the difference between the Mike thought and the, the yourself thought. And the Holy Spirit thought. And then there's the enemy who likes to sow in thoughts as well. You know, if you hear that thought, go slash your boss's tires. I'm thinking it's not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I'm just going to go out there on a ledge. Say it's not the Holy Spirit. But we all have different thoughts. And so there is discernment. But the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And what Jesus says is he will remind you of everything I've said, which is a beautiful thing for these disciples. It's like they would hear these thoughts. And it reminds me of like when I'm golfing and I do something bad in my golfing, which happens a lot. I'll hear my dad's voice in my head saying, don't decelerate. Nothing good happens when you decelerate and that kind of stuff. Right. And Jesus is like, if the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything that I said. You're going to hear his voice and it's going to sound like me because of that beauty of the Godhead, right? And so from a practical standpoint, the more that you fill yourself with God's word, the more the Holy Spirit has to work with in your life. Do you catch that? 
And the less that you have to do the game, was that me? Was that the, was that the Holy Spirit? Was that the enemy trying to lead me astray? There's less confusion the more word you have in you. Because the thoughts that are, are not of God, there's just a wisdom. You're like, no, the Bible says this, and the Holy Spirit would never con- contradict the very book he wrote. Right? And so there's wisdom in filling yourself with the word because we can trust it. And then the Holy Spirit can put his finger on that verse and say, you know what? Never will I leave you nor forsake you today. You feel really alone today. But remember, I said, I'll never leave you for forsaken. You have that truth bomb. And you have that thing that God spoke to your heart and to your mind. And you're like, I know this is the truth. It doesn't matter the way I feel right now. What matters is what God has said. And I'm going to trust in what he said. I know that I am not orphaned. I know that I am not alone. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?